the fact, and I guess it is like, it is kind of, um, you know, it is everybody looking around the room and saying, okay, if you're still here, like you're, you're here for the right reason. And that, uh, that change in uh, signal to noise ratio, um, although things were great before and things are, uh, are tougher now, that is so meaningful. Hey everybody, Tanner here with Wagner Ventures. On today's episode, we have Abhinav Gar, founder and COO at YourFeed. For anyone who's new, this is the Wagner Ventures podcast, where we do snapshots with interesting founders from across Web3. Check out wagmeventures.io to learn more about the syndicate behind the podcast. But for now, let's get into it with Abhinav from YourFeed. Hey everybody, I'm here today with Abhinav Gar, founder and COO at YourFeed. Abhinav, how's it going today? GMGM. GMGM. I'm glad to be chatting. Thanks so much for your time. So maybe to start, could you tell us a little bit about your background and story and really what brought you to creating YourFeed? Yeah, my background and story and how I got to YourFeed is kind of interesting. It doesn't always make sense, but I actually spent around 10 years in aviation. Interestingly, it's very diametrically different to where I am now. I was with GE, General Electric, on all their different leadership programs. I was, you know, I think I worked in the end in around 28 countries uh, in the end. So a lot of different businesses, a lot of different verticals, a lot of different disciplines. And towards the end of that, you know, I kind of was ready to, for a change. You know, I spent five years as an aircraft lease underwriter at the back end of that. And I kind of had a moment of clarity, which is actually after a 40-day period of meditation. So I've got all my excuses lined up, you know, it's, it's all legit. And I decided to go do something of my own. And I saw that blockchain was going to change the world. So I went on my journey. I, I quit cold from GE and went to explore. I'm not a technical person, so, you know, it wasn't like a direct in. But I met my co-founders, Gareth and Howell, along the way. They have long backgrounds in the social space. They've been you know, building online communities since pre-Facebook and helping music artists and, and other, other online uh, communities grow their gatherings and their social presence. And, you know, we, we worked on actually another startup in between and we were like, yeah, we really like working together. It's, uh, and Gareth was, came with the idea and he said, you know, we're, we're looking to do something around the video space and, and, and your feed was born. Very cool. So let's talk about your feed. In your words, what are you guys building at your feed? So we're really trying to build tooling to help Web3 communities use video. Like the meta of metas, I think there's two outside of you know our world is video and mobile. And we really see that Web3 is lagging on on our use and adoption of of those two, both of those two. So you know we've been focused on that. You know our there's, a, there's an interesting bit of research by John Medina in his book called Brain Rules, where he says, you know, if you hear a piece of information by audio only, or you're told orally, uh, if you're tested in three days' time, you recall around 10% of it. The same information, if it's presented to you with a visual, then you actually recall a significantly higher number, 65%. So, you know, the, the power of video for us was key and how you know, it's it's grown to be 80% of internet traffic globally. You know, it's the rise of short form video. You know, people are Googling answers and getting video results. And so that that those global trends really weren't translating to the Web3 space. So we want to help 
Web3 communities, you know, grab those metas and, 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 and adopt them and use them for their own communities. Very cool. So I, I just from reviewing online, I gathered that there's a bit of a, a I don't want to say pushback, but maybe, you know, I think the question I want to ask is, what problems do you see with sort of traditional Web2 social media? Maybe, you know, platforms like Snapchat or TikTok, et cetera. And does your feed kind of head on try to do something different as a counterpoint to those traditional social media platforms? Yeah, I mean, there are, there are lots. I won't go into all of them, but I guess the key ones is the value sharing dynamic is totally skewed, right? It, it's totally shareholder centric. And, you know, you, you've got you know, the average user spends two hours and 25 minutes online on social media. And there's little recognition and sort of reward for it. And so you really have a very extractive system. So we're trying to balance that out. And then, you know, that sort of that value share also aligns with the control element, right? So giving users a little bit more say, like you're only going to start giving users a more value if you're going to give them more say, they kind of go hand in hand. So we're, we're trying to build a more equitable solution where the partners, the creators, and even the users that come to your feed, get recognized for that value. And, you know, so we've kind of built our tokenomics around measuring, recording and rewarding users for their time. And that might be casual users that may be, you know, more like rewards and kind of gifts and prizes for creators and people who have built their livelihoods. It's it's really about not rugging them, right? It's it's about giving them their dues, their inputs, you know, I think the the current major social platforms, you know, they where you see a following, you know, I've got X many followers. Those are really just a CRM of who they can charge you to reach, right? So how can I, how can I charge you to reach your own audience? And so that limiting of organic reach over time is is kind of been apparent. So we're we're trying to solve that value sharing dynamic, but also, you know, trying to bring some cool tools where, you know, I think a lot of the, what we just talked about, it kind of sits in the background, you know, I think, I think it's important to a lot of us, but we're also just trying to build cool tooling that people can make use of. So, you know, for PFB communities, we've built a tool where you can connect your wallet and for collections that we've approved, you can convert your 2D PFP into an AR filter. So, in this world where we're very much, you know, trapped behind Twitter spaces, flashing emojis, we're trying to bring people out from behind that, help them harness that in a way that's kind of not thrusting them too quickly towards the video, giving them that fun component, a little bit of anonymity, but yeah, kind of making that transition easy. Yeah, I love it. So next thing I wanted to ask about was, you know, in the light paper, it states that there's really no algorithm. You'll be able to see everything in your on your feed. So could you talk a little bit about what the algorithms do badly? Why maybe, you know, a different type of feed experience is more optimal for what you're trying to accomplish? So I think in the initial instance, you know, we're not trying to have a input between you and your community. So having a more direct communication sort of channel where you have 100% reach to your community. I think the overall, the kind of the, the current algorithms it is, again, around that participation in the changes to those, right? So some, not all algorithms are bad, right? There's a lot of information out there and getting that information to you in a way that's, you know, makes it relevant. It, the algorithms are useful. Quite often, it, unilateral changes to those algorithms that are made without consultation with the community or just kind of like shareholder-centric, right? And trying to highlight specific types of, of data. 
And so really, you know, I don't necessarily see that in the future we would avoid algorithms altogether. I think that's a, a slow process as we grow, as, as we make sense, as the amount of data that we're presenting starts to become, starts to need algorithmic presentation, then we would look to see, okay, what do we need? But I think a lot of that is around having sort of broad stakeholder input into how those how those are surfaced. Yeah, I love it. That makes sense. So a big part of social platforms, right? It's it's about getting network effects established. So I'm curious how your team has thought about what it looks like to migrate users from those kind of trad Web2 platforms over to your feed. Are there any lessons really for others building in Web3 Social too? Yeah, I mean, we just try to keep it simple. I think, you know, when we're talking about Web2 users, like, this stuff is complex and abstracting away what we can, you know, was kind of a, at the top of our list. You know, I think there's a space for, you know, not your keys, not your coins or not your wallet type dynamic. But I think there are levels to that. And I think that not all gateways to Web3 need to be so non-custodial, right? You can have software entry points. So we really tried to make it an easy sign-on process, you know, having giving people a, a sort of crypto experience without having going through, I don't know, I don't know what it is like the 15 step process of onboarding through a you know central exchange so keeping things simple trying to keep you know keep the language simple and i guess you know just keep things sort of like focusing on the value up front rather than an ask you know i think there's a lot of plays around web3 where you know no no you know, no, no problems with it. But, you know, there's a lot of sort of people who go after the value. And I think we're trying to offer value first, give people an idea of how things work rather than kind of being here, come in, buy this, and you know, right up front. So keeping it simple, keeping it easy to onboard people and uh, and kind of keeping it a low, low cost of entry. Yeah, love it. Okay, so back to the light paper where there's this depiction there of the spectrum of decentralization kind of on one side there's there's web2 platforms like instagram or tiktok etc and on the other side it's kind of on-chain protocols like farcaster and your feed is really shown sort of in between these these poles with you know some plans it seems to progressively decentralize it over time so i'm curious you know could you discuss a little bit where your feed is now in terms of decentralization and kind of what the end goal is as well yeah i i think it's you know, for us, it's a little bit about, you know, we're, we're kind of building a sort of a new user experience or at least trying to innovate. And so there's a certain level of uncertainty around, you know, where we are and product market fit and so on. So for us, we really try to adopt that playbook of decentralizing progressively. So focusing on the core user experience first, make sure that we're getting that right before we start putting things in immutable code. Right. So for us, initially, that was we can we start to think about, you know, having community input to some degree focused on value sharing, giving people recognition around the tokenomics, then later focusing on more parts of that tech stack. And, you know, for example, now we're looking to bring in a decentralized video part of the stack. So looking at live peer, having more and more in the future decentralized decision making that would be made by the DAO based on the, the tokens that have been distributed. You know, and, and it's kind of then I guess we you know what's next. You know, there are, we have other ideas around how the data structure could work. You know, not all of them have to be sort of purist only use blockchain. Some of them can be around how, you know, we're, for example, we're structuring our database nodes so that a user's data is kind of structured around their persona, their identity. So then in the future, although that's currently not decentralized, that 
can that lends itself to an easier transition. We can allow people to have ownership of their data and then, you know, watch the technologies that are emerging and maturing and see what part of the tech stack makes sense to decentralize next. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So we're kind of at a point in the show where I typically ask a couple of recurring questions that come up often in the show. And the first of those is really about surprises where, you know, inevitably on this journey of, of building something, there's always things that come up that are surprises or, or different than your expectations. And so I'm curious, what have been some key ones for your team and how have you guys gone about adapting to those surprises? Yeah, I mean, I guess as an entrepreneur in my first bull market to a bear market, which that's the biggest surprise, right? That's like, holy shit, but maybe that isn't surprising, right? Sure. I guess that's, you know, that's expected. It's cyclical. I think for me, I personally, as myself, I think What's been surprising, it really actually learning from my co-founders who are, you know, more, much more seasoned veterans around what it takes to continue to build, what it takes to keep persisting and, and that never ending sort of source of optimism, like how much that plays a part in, in being a founder. Like that for me, coming from the corporate world, making a switch to uh, having our own venture, that it's really such a big component. It was kind of surreal. So I'd say for me, like, yeah, having to adapt from the corporate world had many other components, but that seeing how much that is just a component of being a founder and staying optimistic and keep going. Yeah, maybe that's the bear market blues talking. Not sure. Sure. Yeah. No, it's it's a really good point, though. I mean, I think people don't often talk about how how important good co-founder relationships are, especially in Web3. I I don't know why it hasn't come up on the show more, but it's so crucial, right? You know, so similar question. I, I'm curious about what's got you excited at this stage in the journey where, you know, bear market recognized. Everyone's dealing with the same part of the market cycle. And, you know, it is a tough season for a lot of folks. But from your vantage point, what are you seeing maybe that others aren't seeing yet that may be worth calling out as especially cool or interesting? Yeah, I mean, maybe I don't know if others are seeing it or not, but actually that we're seeing a real silver lining to this market. And it is just the quality of conversations that we're having. It is just totally different to, you know, the bull market. Like the fact, and I guess it is kind of everybody looking around the room and saying, okay, if you're still here, like you're here for the right reason. And that change in signal to noise ratio, although things were great before and things are, are tougher now, that is so meaningful. And for us, it's allowing us to open so many doors. So, you know, really, it's generally, you know, the call builder's market, like it's generally a pleasure to network in this environment because you are received so well and you just know that any connections you're making are such high quality connections. And I think that's that's been a real something of note. Yeah, nice. Okay, so if I were to say the future of crypto is blank, how would you fill in the blank? Where is crypto going? The future of crypto, I think, you know, I think it's going to be, I suspect it's going to be one or two applications that really, really take it there. And I think it's going to be, you know, more and more examples of group consensus of value, right? So we've seen our versions of it so far, right? Coins and, and kind of art. And I just, you know, that, that dynamic translating to people making their own worlds over, you know, different asset types and different scenarios. I think that's, you know, people agreeing on things being valuable and being meaningful, that is in itself creating value. Uh, that 
that dynamic translating to things that we can't imagine now. There's a lot more to come. Yeah, that's fascinating. Okay, so maybe two last questions here, Abhinav. First question, what would your advice be for founders building in the crypto and blockchain space? Uh, really, really right now, kind of from your accumulated knowledge and wisdom of having been in the space for some time now, what would you impart to someone like yourself who's maybe transitioning from a different kind of environment, joining crypto now? What would that advice sound like? What would you want to say? Yeah, I, I guess I'm probably thinking, let me have a think. My advice to a new founder entering crypto. Hmm. Yeah, I guess for me, it, it is about like, this is a sort of a B2B empowered state, right? Like you could think that you're going to build a lot by yourself and have a great concept, but you forget how much of the marketing in the space happened on a community to community basis. And I think that starting to open those relationships, whether it's casual, you know, whether it's kind of opening dialogue around asking for advice or it's asking feedback, those B2B, community to community, startup to startup relationships are hugely valuable. I, I think it provides kind of like a support network in what is quite a stressful space. But it also, that then leads to those relationships in the future that will open doors. Like it truly is a space where organic marketing can really be done at, you know, a very low cost in, in a very non kind of pay to play way. There's obviously a lot of pay to play. That's a different discussion. But the power of these community community relationships, it, it really has to be treasured, explored and, and harnessed. Love it. Abhinav, what's your team working on right now? And what's the best way for people to follow along on the journey? So we are currently turning on our activations for different we're focusing on PFP NFT communities, but we are working with some other ones. You know, we've got this great system where for your whole community, we can turn on the ability for your community members to use their PFP as an AR filter in a kind of Twitter spaces with video format. And that can be used to create great video content. We can record it, share short, short form snippets with you so you can then, you know, you can either push that on our into our learn to earn system so that people can learn about your project or you can post it across your socials. I'd love to invite anybody who's working with a PFP NFT community or outside of that, just trying to create video content and maybe, you know, struggling to get rolling. You know, we're, we're doing a lot of showcases with different founders and different projects. So love to connect with you and, and help you on your journey to video content creation. Perfect. Abhinav, thank you so much for the time. This is awesome. I'm really excited to see everything that's to come. And uh, yeah, have a great rest of your week here. Thanks a lot, Tana. Appreciate the time. All right, bye-bye.